All right. You guys doing good? Are you ready? All right. Um, want to pray before we uh, before we dive in. I today's message. Um, gonna meddle a bit. Uh oh. <laughs> and uh, I really believe that today. Um, if we're willing to listen and hear and receive, um, I believe that what the Lord has to say to us today could, could be a key for freedom for many of us. But, um, like when you go to the, when you go to the doctor and he wants to help you get past some issue in your body, you need to be willing to hear the hard news first before you hear the good news, right? So, uh, so if we can approach today without a defensive attitude, but with a listening and receptive attitude, I think it can be a big help for us. Is that fair? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to pray that, that uh, we would we would be willing and able to do that. Um, and uh, also going to pray. Um, don't mean to embarrass you, but Brian had a had a, a health blip this week. Don't want to give his details without his permission, but I want to pray for Brian. Is that okay, Brian? Yeah. And uh, and Jeremy. Um, is going in for surgery tomorrow, so we want to pray for him. He's not here today, but he's going in for surgery tomorrow. So, a couple things to pray for. So, uh, let's let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the things you have in store for us today. God, I believe that you want to do work in our lives and our hearts. You want to bring a new level of hope and strength and freedom into every heart. Those that are here in this room, those that are watching online, God, I pray that we would have receptive and open hearts to hear what you want to say to us today. And God, I pray that um, I, I do lift up Brian to you. I pray that you continue to do your work of healing and restoration in his body and his life. And we lift up Jeremy to you, God, as he prepares for surgery tomorrow. We pray your blessing on him, your protection, and pray that, uh, God, you just, uh, this would be a, a great opportunity in his life for um, just a, a, a fresh start in, in, uh, and your blessing upon his life. And we just pray that you would uh, speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the last 18 months have been a, uh, a significant, have, have been a challenge. Anybody find it a little bit challenging the last 18 months, right? I, I, I think if you didn't, well... You need, to, you need to come up here and tell the rest of us your secret, right? Uh, I think all of us have found the last 18 months to be uh, challenging and, and to have a significant impact um, on the mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being of people all over the world. Um, the rise in mental health crises has been significant in all ages, in all social levels, um, as people have dealt with I the isolation of being, you know, apart from other people, um, even, even introverts, right? And I speak as one. Even introverts uh, experience the isolation more than, you know, for a little while it's like, oh, this is wonderful. And then it's like, okay, this is too much, right? Um, uh, as, as well as fear over virus, fear over the mask, fear over loss of jobs or economy, fear over vaccine, fear over this, fear over that. The, the things that have been coming at us from the media, from just from the, what we've all walked through, have been a real challenge. 
Um, the challenge we faced have, have affected Christ followers as well as people in the world. Um, we live, folks, all of us, we live in a spiritual war zone. I don't know if you understand that, but we do. We live in a spiritual war zone. We have an enemy who is out to destroy lives and he plays dirty. And every little opportunity that he has to shoot his arrows of lies and confusion and chaos at our lives, he takes it, right? Um, and uh, and he, wants, he wants to take everyone out, but especially followers of Jesus. Um, if he can destroy a child of God, he has made his work easier, right? Um, and so we are vulnerable if we don't know how to be equipped for the battle. We are vulnerable if we're not properly equipped for the battle that we're in. So I want to share some principles today that will help us be equipped. And a significant part of our victory is what goes on in the nine and a half inches between these things. What goes on in here is a massive part of our victory. We have seen, uh, we've often seen spiritual warfare as something out there, right? We've got the enemy is out there and we need to battle the enemy out there. Um, but I want to suggest to you today that, um, that a big part of our victory has to do with what goes on in here. Big part. The first part of our battle takes place right here. Scripture says in Isaiah 26 verse 3. Isaiah 26 verse 3. You, God, you will keep in Perfect peace. Everybody say perfect peace. Anybody want perfect peace? Yeah. Isn't that what every human heart longs for, right? You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Everybody say steadfast. That means it doesn't move. It's anchored. It's solid, right? You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. There is a way of living in our minds where we can be invincible. And there is a way of living in our minds where we can be vulnerable. That's worth saying again. There is a way of living in our minds where we can be invincible. We can live in perfect peace, immovable. And there is a way of living in our minds where we can be vulnerable to the enemy. An example uh, from Scripture. Romans 8, 37 it's a verse that if you've ever done scripture memorization, you've probably memorized this verse. It says that we are therefore more than conquerors through him who loved us. Um, okay, we are more than conquerors. But that whole passage, so that's, that's great. If we just take those, that phrase out of context and just say, oh, we're more than conquerors. Isn't that great? You're all more than conquerors. Don't you feel like a conqueror today? Maybe not by tomorrow morning, right? Right? But, but everything, understanding Scripture is all about context, right? We can't just pull words out and say, and throw, you know, throw out half verses and say, well, there you go. So there's our uh, Christian fortune cookie for the day, Right? But we need to read scripture in context. And when we hear about we are more than conquerors, it's in the context, that whole passage of Romans chapter 8 is talking about the love of God. 
and knowing that we are adopted children of God who are loved by God and that nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. Now, if we keep our hearts and minds fixed on that and we don't let go of that truth, we can live as more than conquerors. But the first thing that comes at you that makes you start to question you know, God's, God's faithfulness or God's goodness or, or that you're good enough for God to love or all kinds of stuff we start to question. And then we start to get our eyes on other things instead of the love of God. And all of a sudden we find ourselves living less than conquerors instead of more than conquerors. Right? And it's all what goes on in here what we keep our attention and our focus on for sure here we go <laughs> so so <clears throat> we uh here are some of the struggles just to fire some things at you we don't have time to go through these things um, but here are some of the struggles that come from losing the battle in our mind, okay? We call it stinking thinking, right? I've heard a lot of preachers use that phrase, stinking thinking, but it was actually a, a psychologist that came up with that phrase, and preachers just stole it. We're good at stealing things, but um, we won't steal your car, but we'll steal your uh, good idea. Um, so, stinking thinking. So, Fear, panic, and anxiety. We will start to spiral into and start to live in fear, panic, and anxiety when we start to lose the battle in our minds. Or anger, unforgiveness, hatred, and judgment. Or discouragement, despair, and hopelessness. Or defeat, self-loathing, and victim thinking. Or deceit, and secrecy, and shame. Or lust, perversion, addiction. Yeah, so there's... I. I think I could be bold enough to say there is not a person in this room or a person watching online that doesn't relate with a whole bunch of words on that screen right now. None of us is above falling prey to stinking thinking that causes us to get trapped by the enemy. And that's why all of us need to lean in today and say, God, what can I learn? How can I learn to walk in a greater level of victory in my mind. All right, so I want to read our passage today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the first six and a half verses, says this. By the humility and gentleness, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. So even Paul is going, I know this message is going to be a little strong, so I'm coming to you with humility and gentleness, right? I, I love you, that's why I, you know, sh share these things, is what he's saying. Um, I, Paul, who am timid, and in NIV it's got timid in, in air quotes, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold went far away. Now what Paul is saying there, he's responding to the people in Corinth who've already received one letter from him that was pretty strong at times, right? And, and there were some people saying, oh, that Paul, when he's with us, he's Mr. Nice Guy, but when he goes away, then he's really bold and he fires stuff at us, you know, he corrects us. Um, 
So, so that's what he's responding to. He says, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. I hope I don't have to be that bold when I come and when I get there. It's kind of like the, the parent driving the car and the kids are fighting in the back, right? Don't make me come back there, right? right? Don't make me do this. And Paul's saying, come on, guys, like, listen to what I'm saying so I don't have to deal with you harshly when I get there. Um, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. You are judging by appearances. Stop there. All right. So, some principles we're going to pull out of this today in the next few minutes. Um, first of all, Paul says in verse 2, says, I don't, want to, I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to have to be harsh or bold with those, with some who think that we live by the principles and standards of this world. So, Paul's saying, before we get into anything else, let's let's review. We don't think like the world does, or at least we ought not to. We don't function by the world's values, or at least we ought not to. We don't have the same standards as the world does, right? Everything is different in the kingdom of God. It's an upside-down kingdom, right? We, we lead in the kingdom by serving. We overcome our enemies by loving them. We receive by giving. We are elevated by humbling ourselves. How are you going to be successful and victorious in the Christian life? How you are going to be uh, successful and victorious in the Christian life is is not going to come from the world's answers. So we need to lean in and listen closely to what Paul is saying here. Because he's telling us there are kingdom keys that won't make sense to our natural minds. We will fight against them. We will balk against them. We will say, you want me to do what? Right? Because they don't make sense to our natural minds. Our flesh... It's a word that's used a lot in the New Testament. Our flesh, meaning our selfish, natural desires that are prone to self-protection might hate what Paul has to say. But we put on a teachable heart today. So we don't live by the standards or values of this world. Secondly, he says we do not wage war as the world does. We have a different concept of the enemy and a different way of dealing with the enemy. And the enemy may not be what you think the enemy is. The world tells you that the enemy is everyone else. Right? You're a victim. 
And you can blame the government. You can blame your neighbor, your boss, your spouse, your kids, your pastor, the bank, the hydro company, and definitely the devil. Right? But a cartoonist back in uh, 1971 named Walt Kelly posted a kind of an iconic cartoon uh, when he was dealing with, with uh, you know, pollution and, 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 you know, the way we were taking care of the world. And he said, yet, son, we have met the enemy and he is us. We have met the enemy and he is us. Absolutely, Satan is our enemy. I don't want to diminish that reality and that truth for a second. We are in a war and Satan wants to destroy you and kill you and every person that he can get his grimy hands on, right? Absolutely. But he only has access to us because of our beliefs and our choices. When we align our lives with him by believing his lies, we give him legal access. So really, your biggest enemy is your own mind. When you choose to believe a lie. You with me? If you don't believe me, believe James. James 1 verse 13 says, when, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say the devil made me do it. Doesn't even say the devil tempted me. Although, of course, the devil does tempt. But James is telling us our biggest problem when we fall prey to temptation is our own evil desire, our own minds, our own hearts. Um, we're going to come back to this later, but in verse 5 of our passage, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, it says that one of the big keys, again, we'll talk about it in a few minutes, one of the big keys is to take every thought captive. Can you take your neighbor's thought captive? Can you take your spouse's thought captive? <laughs> Can you take the devil's thoughts captive? So when it says take every thought captive, whose thoughts are you to take captive? Our own. So, so this passage is talking about, it's, it's not primarily, I'm helping you see that this is not primarily talking about Spiritual warfare out there. It's talking about dealing with our own minds. Right? I believe this is key to us understanding that Paul uh, is instructing. I, I mean, <clears throat> um, he's instructing some people that they need to deal with their runaway thoughts. If they want to walk in victory. And this, this whole passage in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, it's often been used, as we've said, to talk about spiritual warfare out there and spiritual strongholds. We're going to get that to that in a second. Out there, as if they're primarily demonic powers. But I think um, the principles here apply primarily to conquering ourselves. If you're going to be more than a conqueror, 
The best thing that can happen to you is you get conquered by Jesus. And I think that sometimes this passage that we're reading, some of us have said, you know, I'm not really the prayer warrior type, so I'm not sure this really has much to say to me. Skip. Right? And what I want us to see today is that this is for all of us to walk in victory. Okay? And uh, so, verse, uh, point number three. Our weapons, verse four. Our weapons are different than the weapons of the world, and they have divine power. Our weapons are different than the weapons of the world, and they have divine power. So if the enemy is not out there, the, the first enemy is not out there but in here, then the question is, what are the weapons that we use to conquer ourselves? Right? Right? What are those weapons? Glad you asked. So the world's weapons, it, the passage says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, or I think the King James says are not carnal. They're not worldly. Okay? Um, weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. The weapons of the world are, are aggression, and anger, and violence, and hatred. But Paul says our weapons are different. What if our weapons are humility, and repentance, and love, and sacrifice? Let me, let me sh share with you the example of our Savior. How many know he's the greatest conqueror ever? He conquered sin and death and the devil. I don't think it gets better than that, right? The greatest conqueror there is. But let's take a quick look at our Savior's weapons for a second. In, in Revelation 5, verses 4 to 6, Revelation 5, 4 to 6, it says this. John writes, and he's, he's having a vision of, of heaven, of the throne room of God, right? And he says, I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now that sounds, that sounds pretty ferocious, right? That sounds like a mighty warrior. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I looked and I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. So this elder says, it's okay. Jesus, our, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's a mighty conqueror. He's the Lion of Judah. He has overcome. Look at him. And I looked and I saw a lamb looking like it had been slain. I think that was probably pretty shocking to John. And I think it was meant to communicate something to him and to us. That our Savior did not win the battle and conquer the same way the world wins battles and conquers through aggression and anger and violence and hatred, but through humility he didn't need to repent, but we do. Humility and love and sacrifice. It's 
the upside-down kingdom, folks. We don't win by powering up. We win by surrendering. Paul will, will write two chapters later in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians and say, when I am weak, then I am strong. This is what he meant. That when I stop defending myself and stop excusing my sin and stop ex explaining away my stuckness and my brokenness and my mess and simply humble myself and repent, say, God, my life is yours, we win. And we receive his strength, right? The moment you think you can do it, you are defeated. So we must identify and demolish destructive patterns of thinking. Paul calls them here strongholds. Strongholds. Fortresses. And again, a lot of spiritual warfare stuff has been written and talked about. You know, the, the strongholds of the enemy, where the enemy has a stronghold on our culture, right? It might be in different areas. There, there can be corporate strongholds. And that's true. I'm not diminishing that for a second. Bathurst has some unique spiritual strongholds that need to be broken, as do other communities. But, primarily here, Paul is talking about the strongholds that happen in our own minds, in our own hearts. What am I talking about? Let me, let me throw out some examples, okay? So this will help. <clears throat> if we had a bad experience with someone of a different ethnicity than ours, we made a generalized assumption that that person treated us this way because of their race. We will look for that trait in other people of that same race because we always look for things to support our assumptions. It's how, we, it's how our brains generally function. We will look for those things. And of course, we will find them because those things are in all of us, right? But when we find them, we will say, see, I told you. And we'll reinforce our assumptions and then it'll happen again and we'll reinforce our assumptions. And before we know it, we've fallen into a stronghold of racism. Does that make sense? Let me give you another example. If we had someone who ought to have taken care of us when we were young, but they neglected us or they left us, we might think, as innocent children do, that there's something wrong with us and that's why they left. And then someday when somebody breaks up with us, we will believe that it's about us and it will reinforce the lie that we believed. And then we get fired from a job and it reinforces the lie that we believed. Before we know it, we have a stronghold of rejection, believing that we are unlovable. One more example. If a painful thing or a difficult thing happens in our lives, we have two options. We can either bring it to God and trust that God is good no matter what happened and he is not done with the situation yet. 
Or we can self-protect and allow fear and doubt and mistrust to take over. And then when another thing happens that disappoints us, we build it on. And another thing, we say, see, I knew God wasn't on my side. I don't even know if he's good. Before you know it, we have a stronghold of fear and unbelief. Right? We could go on and on. There's, I mean, there are so many different kinds of strongholds. We don't have time to give examples of all of them today. But I'm trusting Holy Spirit, who's here. Hello, Holy Spirit. He's here. And I'm trusting that he's going to help you apply this to your strongholds and help me apply it to my strongholds. Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, he said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We build these fortresses to reinforce our belief system, to reinforce our assumptions. We build them up and then we become prisoners of our own strongholds. Right? Jesus came to set us free. The only way we can be free is if we believe him more than we believe the things that we've built around ourselves. Believe him more than the lies that the enemy has fired at us again and again. Believe me, he has studied you and he knows just the right lies to throw at you. He knows the things, the places where you're vulnerable and he knows how to trap you again and again and how to get you to build brick on brick until you are a prison of your stronghold. Jesus wants us free. He came that we might be free. And if we listen to him, if we lean into him, if we know that he is true, no matter what the enemy says, no matter what the world says, no matter what people around us may say, if we know that we know that we know that what Jesus says is true, and we cling to that, and we we deal with the lies in our hearts, lies in our stronghold, we will begin to see a whole breakthrough. Right? We need to destroy defensiveness and fictions that destroy our relationship with God and others. The way Paul says it is, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's the NIV. Um, the King James Version says, we destroy imaginations and every high thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God. The New American Standard says we destroy speculations, imaginations, speculations, in other words, fictions, things that are not true, but we've told ourselves a story and now we believe it. Does that make sense? We make up stories all the time. We are good fiction writers. We make up stories to make us the hero and others the villain. And the stories that we tell are stories that reinforce our assumptions and our strongholds. we accidentally pull out in front of somebody and cut them off and we're mad because they're going too fast. 
right? We don't, we don't own what we did. They're the villain, right? I'm just, I'm just going about my business. I got lots of stuff to do. Just get out of my way, right? I'm, I'm the hero here. You're the villain. And we tell ourselves a story that excuses us and makes the other person the villain. But it gets much more serious than that when we're dealing with relationships in our lives. Someone says something, we take the wrong way, and rather than have a conversation, an honest, open, truth-telling conversation to clarify, is this what you meant? Is this what you said? What's going on, right? So just to have a conversation. We tell a story, right? We begin to build a story. I know why they said that. I bet they think this about me. And I bet they're talking to other people about that too. And I bet they've assumed this and this and this. And you know what? I think, you know, and, and we've got this whole story. Before we know it, we've rehearsed, we've rehearsed every conversation they've had with everyone else in our minds. Right? And we've built this fictional story, imaginations, speculations, that raise themselves above the truth and destroy relationships with people and with God. Folks, there are people sitting in churches all over the world who have told themselves so many stories that they can't talk to half the people on the other side of the church. And it's wrong. And we all tell fictions. And we all need humility and repentance and love and sacrifice to destroy and demolish, to bring down, pull down, the scripture says, to pull down imaginations, speculations, so that we can be free. Lastly, we need to take leadership of our thoughts and bring them into alignment with our allegiance to Jesus. We are far too often victims of our thoughts and emotions instead of leading our thoughts and emotions, right? Um, there have been so many times when, when I have... Um, Um, you know, again, back to the, some, somebody, somebody looks at you funny, somebody makes some offhand comment, they make some sarcastic joke and you take it wrong and you build your story, right? And your thoughts get out of control. And before you know it, you've got an attitude about this person and and they don't even they don't even know it. They don't even they they haven't they're not thinking what you think they're thinking. They're not they're not opposed to you the way you think they are. And even if they are, should we allow that to do we do we want to rent space to them in our brain and let them control how we how we function and live and whether we walk in victory or not, right? So, so we need to take our thoughts and our emotions and bring them into captivity. Arrest them. Hey, that's out of bounds. Stop going there in your brain, right? And bring it back. And this, all those things that the list we had at the beginning... 
right? All of those things. If we could learn how to arrest those thoughts before they go down that path and remind ourselves instead of the truth, God is good. God loves you. He is at work in your life. He's at work in that other person's life. God has patience with you. He's called you to have patience with them. We're all on a journey. Keep trusting in God. He's got your back and your front too and every other part of you. Right? And, and we can actually lead our thoughts instead of letting our thoughts get out of control and lead us down a path of destruction. Again, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I'll say it again. There's a way to live in our minds where we can be invincible and there is a way to live in our minds where we can be vulnerable. I want to fire a few more things at you just before we're almost done, okay? But I just want to fire. I think these are, these are just great tools for us. Um, <clears throat> well, I think I forgot to plug my computer in, so hopefully it lasts for another minute. Um, receive the love. Here's, here's, some, here's some, some mind not Jedi mind tricks, some Jesus mind tricks, okay? Um, here's some mind tricks to help us keep our thoughts where they need to be. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate that. Um, receive the love of the Father. This is a big deal for a lot more than we might realize. When we don't know that we know that we know that our Heavenly Father has adopted us, has chosen us, loves us with an everlasting love. If we don't know that, we can, we can have an or orphan heart that does not believe that God could possibly love me the way he loves someone else. And we cannot trust him if we don't know that he loves us. We need to know the truth that God is good even when life is not. Right? The hard stuff we face in life doesn't ever, ever, ever change God's goodness. It's a whole other message we don't have time to talk about today, but, but we need to anchor our thoughts to the goodness of God. Recognize when you are assuming the worst of someone instead of believing the best. Treat others the same way you want to be treated. Do you want someone else assuming the worst of you? I don't think so, right? You, you want them to give you enough grace to give you the benefit of the doubt and believe the best. And we owe that same thing to others. Be quick to admit that you're wrong and repent instead of defensive. Our defensiveness, when we excuse away our behavior, our sin, our bad attitudes, our, our thought patterns, when we excuse it away, we, build, we start building that wall. Right? Be quick to admit you are weak and need God's grace and strength. You were not meant to live the Jesus life. Only Jesus can live the Jesus life. So stop trying and let him come and do it in you and through you. Because you're not strong enough to do it. I'm not strong enough to do it. We need Jesus to live his life through us. Be quick to recognize the enemy's shortcuts as lies. Remember Jesus' temptation? 
everything the enemy threw at him was a shortcut to, to, to supposedly get to his destiny faster, to get to what he wanted faster, to get to, to happiness faster. The enemy has, he's a, he's a salesman and he will try to sell you on shortcuts every day. Oh, if you just, if you just do this, you'll be happy. You just do this. It'll make life a little easier. Let's stand. Yeah, ladies, come on up. I hope this has been helpful. I know it has been for me. And, uh, and I know that Jesus wants every single one of us listening to this message today, here in this room, online, wherever you are, he wants us to be free. He didn't, he didn't give his life, die in our place, so that we could again be trapped in slavery to sin. He wants us to be free. So I want to pray, and then I'll turn things over to Pastor Pam. If you want, uh, if you want prayer, once uh, once we pray, and kind of close, formally close the service, you're you're welcome to. We'd love to to pray with you today. Father, I thank you for your love. You're amazing never-ending love. I thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness. I thank you that you made a way that we can be free. Thank you, Jesus, that you defeated sin and death and the devil and that you have the keys of freedom in your hands and you want to free us. So Jesus, I pray that we would, we would be willing to walk in humility and repentance and love and sacrifice to walk the Jesus path so that we could find the hope and the freedom that you have for each one of us. That, that the lies of the enemy would be crushed and the hope and the truth of the love of God would come alive to us today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.